welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That's my co-host, Brad, right there. And today we got a special one. We got one we, we had meant to do a little earlier, but uh, we, you know, time got the best of us and we had to reschedule some things around. But uh, we got one of uh, just about two characters taking on a weird odyssey. Uh, one of these films, I will say, is a great choice for Mother's Day, just to see how the mother will react uh, when she watches the film. That's true. Um, uh, so we got we got on this one, man. What we got here? We got Charlie Kaufman, Synecdoche, New York, and uh, Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. How you feeling about this episode, man? Uh, this is definitely one of those what is going on kind of episodes when it comes to the themes of these movies, because both of them are very psychological drama pieces Mm -hmm. Uh, with Bo's afraid has more of a thriller aspect to it. While, you know, Sindinakti, New York, Synecdoche, New York has more of a drama aspect to it than a thriller aspect, but Mm -hmm. they both have that like very psychological aspect to them where, the viewer is kind of in the know, but not really as to what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I say that. I, I definitely say that. Um, yeah, man, these are movies where uh, they kind of keep you on your toes and you just you kind of just have to be along for the ride. Right. Yeah, it, it, it basically comes down to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, with no further ado here, um, you know, I'm thinking... I'm thinking chronological might be best on this one because, I mean, I, there, there's just ain't no simple way to go about this. But I just feel like chronologically it, it's, it's good to go Synecdoche then Bo. What uh, do you think? You know what? I wasn't thinking that before, but now that you mention it, I think it would work better that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll just we'll go with Synecdoche first. Um, I'll take the reins on this one. So uh, we have Synecdoche, New York, uh, written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. If you know Charlie Kaufman, he's a guy, a uh, terrific screenwriter that has made films from that has wrote being John Malkovich. Uh, he I don't think he wrote her. I think that was all Spike Jones. But, you know, he he's he's collaborated with Spike Jones a lot. And um, he's known for uh, writing uh, Conf- Eternal Sunshine, A Spotless Mind. He uh, co-directed Anna Melissa. And uh, he directed uh, one of the recent films, um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, he's known to be a director that makes uh, very complex uh, comedies, very complex like dramedies, uh, so to speak. So in this one, uh, we got the uh, the terrific um, actor, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, playing um, a theater director by the name of Caden Cotard who is, um, you know, on the verge of, like, creating this elaborate stage production, this increasingly elaborate stage production that matches. Um, it's within a huge warehouse, and, and the stage production is supposed to uh, be a mirror to uh, where he lives in New York. Um, however, he's having some uh, trouble in his home life. You know, his uh, he, he's estranged from his, his wife, who doesn't really support his work, um, estranged from his daughter, he has an affair with a woman that uh, sells tickets at one of his local uh, uh, theater venues. And his his life, um, his reality starts to blur between the boundaries between fiction and reality as time goes by. And he works, you know, 
more and more detailed on this play and trying to work out what this play is. And the more time goes by, the more the play just reflects his everyday life. Um, almost to a point where the play is catching up with him. And uh, yeah, realism starts to blur uh, in, into fiction. And, and um, that's, I mean, that's about the, the clearest way I can like describe this movie. You got a better way to describe it? Uh, no, like, it's basically synopsis? that. It is the story of a playwright who is going through turmoil in his life as he's trying to write this, his basically premiere play since his first play was based off of, uh, which one was a death of a salesman. So mm-hmm. in order to try and create his own play, he slowly starts dipping into his own life. And eventually the play just becomes a caricature of his life down to finding people to play him, finding people to play the director as him directing the play, directing him in the play to the point that he gets just so meta with its theming and everything of how far he's willing to go to the point that he's like, well, we need to find somebody to play my assistant. And the assistant would then start talking to the actor playing her and going, well, in this scene, I felt more like this when going through this. And so mm-hmm. she now he now has to find somebody to play the person playing the assistant, giving information to the assistant. And right. it, it just keeps going. And this movie is probably one of those like it's the best depiction of a dominoes in terms of a movie where you're just watching one domino fall and it just keeps going and keeps going and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder the further it goes along (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah it's i can't think of any other way to like give a synopsis of this uh i I think we just kind of got to jump into what this movie was and was this your first time seeing this one absolutely absolutely and the, the funny thing was when um when I saw Bo is Afraid in theaters, I was like, man, I want to talk about that on the show, but I wouldn't know what to I wouldn't know what to compare that to. And then I just saw this film because it was on my radar to watch. I was like, OK, this is that Charlie Kaufman film I always wanted to see. And I said, oh, my goodness, we could compare that with Bo. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like it, we'll get into both, but it's just it's just two films. That's like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but I, I can't look away. I, I got to stay with it and see where this all goes. Um, I got to say, when this film started, you know, it, it has some, dude, it has some terrific on point comedy because, you know, it, it starts off with a guy, you know, he's living in like a, you know, regular two story house with his, uh, his daughter and, and his wife and everything's mm-hmm. a little chaotic. And, um, but then as it starts to seep in a little more, you, you start to understand something, something's not right here. Like, like this is a regular guy, a regular playwright guy, but something something's off. And uh, I think the moment it hit for me was when uh, the plumber guy was there and uh, he was uh, he was fixing the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. It's like, what did he say? He, he said, ain't nothing I ain't seen before. What, what did right. the guy say? Uh, it's oh, I've seen boy parts before. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I said, okay, now, now this movie starting to show its face. Yeah. And, and I love how he just goes downstairs. He's like, hey, I'm going to pee in your sink real quick. And <laughs> then that's exactly what he does. Right, right. And then, um, you know, there's a scene where he goes to uh, uh wait, he, he went to a doctor that referred him to uh, 
uh, was the was the person the eye doctor that he went to? Uh, yes, at first he went to the eye doctor, and then he went to somewhere for his gums and for like his teeth and everything. Okay, yeah, and at some point the guy says something about um uh I, I don't know. He says like your brain is connected to something, and then he looked at him. He was like, "Are you sure?" The guy <laughs> says. What, you think I'm lying to you? He says, no, I just, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like moments like that that are like tense, but funny at the same time. That lets you know what kind of movie you're watching. And it just gets weirder from there. But um, I wanted to say, even the way the affair is 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 looked at, like, like Caden's affair with Hazel, even that's odd. Like, you know, when Hazel moves into the house, and it literally looks like it's burning. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, she looks around. She's like, yeah, I like it. And then the guy comes from upstairs. is like half naked. Oh, he just lives here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. right. I hope you don't mind. My uh, son's been living here ever since the divorce. It, that's when he comes up with the towel and everything. It's like, oh, OK, <laughs> I guess that's what we're going to do with this movie now. Right, right. And, you know, you can look at the house as burning as kind of like a metaphor for her life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there there are a lot of great underlying motifs and themes with this film, too. But with this being your first time, I want to know, what's what's your take on this? Uh, so my take on it is, simply put, we've done a lot of, like, psychological thrillers or psychological movies where you're kind of wondering what's going on throughout the entire movie. This one mm-hmm. plays the line of telling you exactly what's going on while having this air of, is this reality or not throughout the entire movie that it, it, it jumps that line very well between kind of going, okay, so, you know, this guy's a playwright. He's making a play that's slowly devolving into his life. And he's now having trouble discerning the play from reality. Instead, Mm -hmm. he's kind of now seeing the play as his reality versus it as like a moment of, you know, just being a play. So when he's talking to the actors and everything in certain scenes, he kind of gets confused and thinks that he's talking to the people instead of the actors playing the people that he hired to play those people because he's just so into it. And Mm -hmm. I love how it even switches between some of the actors and everything like that and conversations that you hear multiple times over. And you even hear like from his in his mind, like how those scenes played out because you'll see it play out in reality. Then you see it play out in the play and it's slightly different. The theme is mostly the same, but it does play out a little bit differently in a way that it's like, oh, this is kind of how he saw that moment as. Then you have the entire thing with his, you know, wife leaving to go to, I I thought they were going to Italy, but they ended up in like Germany or something, I guess. And yeah, I, uh, I thought it was Paris. Uh, hold on. Is that where I, I swear they were talking of like, oh, we're going to go to Italy. And I just Berlin. I think it's Berlin. It's Berlin. OK. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so there was that whole thing. And then they took the daughter and it, it became this weird thing of does the daughter ever come back? Because they played with the idea of like time passing where he's like, oh, it's only been a couple of days. It's like, no, it's you, you haven't seen your wife in like a year now. And even when he travels, it, it he's like, she's four years old. And the one person's like, no, she's like 10. And it's like, OK, yeah, it, it, it plays with time very loosely to the point that it does. even when you're following and paying attention, you have no idea how much time has passed. 
because the entire time we're watching him, he's making the play, and we're going, oh, yeah, he's just making slow progress. In reality, he's making extremely slow progress on this play. Right, right. Uh, no, she shows back up or she shows back up at multiple times in the film. Did you did you not notice? It, I must have kind of missed it or I didn't think much of it because I know that there were points where like she left her diary behind and everything. Right. But it, it wasn't like a big moment in the movie that I was oh, like, wow. oh, OK, is this sequentially or is this happening? When is this taking place? Because you, miss, you missed you missed a few key moments there, you know, because he. As an adult, he sees her when he moves, like when he goes to Berlin. You know, you know, there's that, there's that naked woman in the, um, in the thing. That everybody's taking a taking a turns to go see. That's his daughter. Yeah, I caught that one. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, but I mean, okay. like when he was, you know, there were the times where he would like call his wife, and she was just ignoring his calls or being like, "Oh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm too busy right now" and everything. And then he got a fax like, "Hey, our daughter left her diary at the house. Can you just not read it?" And it's like up to date for what was going on recently. Yeah, I think yeah that that adds to the surrealism of the, of the film, um, and that's kind of like how Charlie Kaufman's films go a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it's just so random how she just moves there. And she's like a tiny, a tiny, uh, she, she paints tiny pictures. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and she goes in there, she becomes a, a fashion icon overnight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the first time he calls over there, he's like, you, you hear a lot of people talking. She's like, I, I got to go. I, there's a I'm lot famous. of paparazzi. <laughs> hey, I'm famous. <laughs> she just hangs up on him. And it turns out that his daughter ends up having a relationship with her, with, with, with the mom's best friend, which is weird, too. And yeah. they they made this rumor up this whole time that he had an affair with another guy. And she, she's on her deathbed asking him to admit it. It's so sad and funny at the same time. He's like, but it's it's not true. He's like, but how do you need to admit it? He yeah. was like, OK, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. I mean? The whole it, it it is funny, but it's very sad to think like this entire yeah. time. She basically thought her father abandoned her. Meanwhile, her mom literally lied and was like, yeah, he'd deny it, too, if you ever asked him and everything like that. So obviously, when she goes, just admit that you decided to ruin my life by, you know, having this affair with Eric, you know, (laughs) and you're just so embarrassed to come to me with it that you decided to leave me, you know, all alone by myself. And he's like, that's not what happened at all. Yeah, she said that you would deny it. It's like, yeah, obviously, because it's not true. Right, right. It's it's just so absurd. But like I said, there's moments where this film, even in all of its absurdity, st- still makes you like pretty sad. Oh yeah. Uh, like like I said, before she's on her deathbed, right? He comes to see her, and she's like now like you know, uh, posing naked for guys to come up and see her and stuff. And he's knocking on the window like it's your father. Like that mm-hmm. scene was pretty sad. Like 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 I, I thought that was like a, a pretty sad scene. But. Yeah, well, especially since I believe that's like the first time he's seen her since they more or less moved because right, yeah, he sees her in one of the pictures that uh, his wife drew with her in all in it tattoos and everything like that, and that's what makes him go to try and figure out like what's going on because his daughter is just covered in tattoos now. Mm-hmm. And that's when he finds out about the relationship between her and uh, her mom's best friend 
or right. his daughter and his mom's best friend. Which is and, creepy. Which is like, very the whole creepy. Situ- the whole situation's creepy. It's literally like, grooming, like, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, this film, it takes dark turns uh, in, in some of his subplots. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just like, it, it, it's a film that's like so absurd and so, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know if over the top is the right word because it's grounded in its surreal in, in its surrealness because it's not it's not over the top for the world that it's in. You know what I mean? I would say but even in like the real world, it's not so over the top. It, it Nothing right. on this is like, oh, that would never happen. It, it's just the fact that it's all happening to a single person. You know, he's going yeah. through all of this at the same time. Uh, then there was the whole thing with the therapist that he was seeing that was like, oh, I wrote this book. You should read this book. And <laughs> every time he's reading the yeah. book, she just appears. And right. even on the plane where it's like, I'll, you know, what was it? I'll show you my thigh and I'll present myself to you, but you will deny it. And at that point, this book will be over. And he just turns the next page and it's just <laughs> blank pages after that. <laughs> it's just over. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love moments like that. Um, I want to say, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman, man, again, rest in peace. This dude, like, he 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 knows how to be funny. Like, mm-hmm. there's a scene earlier in the film where him and um, Hazel, they're, they're at a, I think they're at dinner. Um, and at some point he's eating and he's like trying to move his mouth a certain way. <laughs> and and uh, the actress who plays Hazel, Samantha Morton. I don't know how she didn't break or maybe they just didn't catch it on camera. But the way he just moves his mouth trying to swallow, mm-hmm. I'm like, dog, I would have lost it on every take. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, that had to be like a several take situation to the point that they might have taken those separately and superimposed them together where she was mm-hmm. just talking to like an empty chair for her scene. Because I have no idea how the hell she would be able to keep her composure while he's doing uh, that. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, this film, I mean, it, it, it just keeps going up and up because, you know, like as time goes on, you know, then he has a relationship with Michelle Williams's character, Claire. It has a whole daughter with her mm-hmm. uh, to the point where that marriage goes down south. Yeah. Like, you know, and, uh, and time just keeps going on. And, and he, then he um, reconciles with Hazel again. And Hazel's married. With, with with I believe kids now and it's just like as time goes on you know the the play starts to become a literal New York like within the warehouse yeah and uh, it should be mentioned he had a warehouse prepared for his play that mm-hmm. the set continually expands to include more parts of his life to the point mm-hmm. that it's basically a carbon copy of his house inside this warehouse as well as the street he lives off of as well as the street that leads to the warehouse inside the warehouse with a map showing how to get to the warehouse yeah yeah it's it's insane it's it's, it's insane um and then there was the dark plot where his uh his his mob was murdered or, or something like that right i i don't remember his mom getting murdered well, see, the the dad, his dad died, and then his mom died, and then like the way they described it to him was like, yeah, you know, it was it was a, it was a break in, it was horrible. Um, oh, another connection to another movie we'll yes. talk about. But okay, yeah, yeah, that was kind of it. Just comes out of nowhere, and then it's just kind of passed on. Like it doesn't. <laughs> right. 
He just comes home and then sees blood on the on the bed on the bedroom and then just moves on. I was like, see, this film like this film is extremely like there's like extremely dark things happening in the background of the main plot is mm-hmm. what I noticed. Yeah, there's a couple things, uh, mostly when it comes to like the side actors that he hires and everything. And when they come in and out of his life between mm-hmm. shots that are on stage in his play and scenes that are actually a part of his real life. And I think one of the more interesting ones was uh, Sammy, who was the guy that had been following him around. Like he mm-hmm. was inspired by, you know, Caden. So he follows him around to like learn about him and then learns that he's doing this play and then watches it evolve. And he's like, I can play you in the play about your life. The only person that knows you as much as you do is me. Cause I've been watching you. And it's like I, on paper, that is creepy. And even in the movie, it comes off extremely creepy, but Caden's just like, yeah, that sounds great. We, we can actually make this work then. And his entire thing of just being like, I know you better than you. And when he uh, jumps off of like the building and everything, too. And Caden's just like, I didn't jump. Don't you jump. I didn't jump. And even when he gets like to the bottom of the building where, he, you know, Sammy's splattered across the pavement. Like the, there's the cartoonish like hole in the ground that he's splattered into. And Caden's still just going, I didn't jump. You're doing it wrong. I never jumped. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Like, it's, it's still like, it's still like punches up the comedy, even in the, mm. in, even in dark moments like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, it, like, in, like, there's so many, like, themes in this film. Like, I didn't know that his last name, like, Caden's last name, Katard, refers to Katard syndrome. So it's like a syndrome where you believe you're dying or you're already dead. You know, there's a lot of like moments in this film where uh, people refer to uh, illness or dying. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, when Hazel moves into the burning house, she's like, well, I'm afraid I might fall into the fire. And the realtor is like, yeah, it's always strange when you're trying to figure out how you're going to die. <laughs> and it's like, it's such a it's such a random thing to say, but... Everything in this film is connected in some way or has some deep meaning behind it when you really break this film down. Um, yeah, man, I, I, a lot of people, there were some critics that said this was a pretentious or like self-indulgent movie, but I feel like that just adds to the film's point. I, I was going to say, I can agree with that, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Right, because Caden's play is self-indulgent or pretentious. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it's, it's, it's self-indulgent of what's happening to him in his life and it's pretentious of his reality. So I feel like that they're kind of making the film's point. Yeah. It, um, yeah. Yeah. When it comes down to this movie, it is extremely self-indulgent in that regard that it likes to pat itself on the back a lot when it comes to the scenes and everything that's going on. Mm hmm. I really like uh I like the finale. I like the finale where um you know Diane Weiss character uh Ellen shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh and she's uh she shows up because um uh to 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 take over Caden's role as he gets older and then Caden switches out with her and becomes the custodian again of um who was uh you know cleaning up his wife's uh, apartment. And just that final scene of him just like walking around uh walking around his 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 whole play his whole set and 
just just like like preparing for like his final moments and then um he uh he he, he ends up with that actress who uh who previously played uh, uh Ellen's mother you know it's just it's just a, it's such a terrific bittersweet sad ending mm-hmm. like and I feel like there there was no other way you could end a film like this I mean, especially when you break it down to like the last dialogue in this film is Kanan going, I think I know what I want my play to finally be about. Mm-hmm. And then she just responds, you know, as the director, die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then credits. And that's it. Like, no further. That That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man, I just thought like overall, this is like, this is one of those films I, I got to put it on the cajillionaire type of scale. It's like, it surprised me. Yes. Like I had always heard things about this, like, oh dude, you got to watch Synecdoche, New York. I was like, oh yeah, that's that Kaufman, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. I just never got around to it. I was like, dude, this is a, this is a work of art, man. I mean, this, I, I would have loved to see this in cinema when it, when it came out. Yeah, I fully agree. If I, I kind of had an idea of what to expect from this movie when you paired it up with Bo is Afraid. So right. I kind of knew that it was going to be something. But prior to it, like I, I looked up the title. I saw it was directed by Kaufman. I went, OK, I, I can. This is probably going to be a good movie. It, this movie right. was fantastic to me. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. You know, it the small details in it, just kind of catching those little nods, just trying to catch the clues as to whether something was reality or his play. And even if you're trying to follow like the characters and everything like that, like the people that are playing in the play versus the people in his real life, it doesn't really tell you because there's times where he's talking to those people in his real life and other times where he's talking to them in the play as well while directing them. So and it flips around so much. It's a great way of, like I said, it toes the line between telling the viewer exactly what's happening while having it still be very mysterious at the same time. And because mm. you're in on he's writing a play about himself and his life is going into shambles, but you're not in on which parts are the play, which parts are his real life. And even then, which parts in the play are based on real events or things that he just thought happened. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, t- uh, dude, I-, I gotta say, man, straight up, this is a five out of five to me. Yeah, I put it at a five out of five as well. It's I absolutely love it. I'll probably watch this one again sometime in the future just because I'm sure oh, that yeah. there's little things I missed the first go around. And mm-hmm. yeah, it it surprised me a whole lot. Yeah, it's it's a real gem. I uh, I absolutely loved it. And uh Yeah. All right, now we're going to go to where the magic happens. And that brings us to our second movie we're talking about today, which is Bo is Afraid. Uh, This movie actually just came out earlier this month, or last month, and is directed by Ari Aster, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the character Bo Wasserman, who is an adult man who is kind of living in a crime-riddled city and is trying to get by in life but things just continually take a turn in his life to make things stranger and weirder for him, putting him in situations that nobody should be a part of, knowing that, you know, he his father has passed. And on the anniversary of his father's death, him and his mother 
get together. This year, he's not able to get there. So if due to circumstances and then later finds out that his mother has passed away the following day when trying to reach her, leading to a series of events that just continually gets into more strange territory and attitude of, I have no idea what's going on in this movie. I'm so confused right now. What is this? (laughs) (laughs) Not passed away. Let's say what happened. Uh, A chandelier fell on her head. Yeah, she was uh, found with no face and no head. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. uh, All right, you you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Basically, without getting into the spoilers of this movie, that is the synopsis of this movie, where we just follow Bo as he goes through this downward spiral of his life as he's trying to get back to his mother's estate in order to get to the funeral for her. And it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And it's kind of segmented out into different parts of his adventure going through. But it, each part of it just seems stranger than the last, like even looking back at this movie, it's like, okay, how would you describe like the sequence of events? And it basically goes, there was at his apartment. Then it's when he was with the two people that were taking care of him. Then it was when he was in the forest, and then when he got to his mother's estate, you know. <laughs> I, uh, Ari Aster himself has uh, <laughs> one of the many ways he called it. He says, uh, "Well, you know, it's a Jewish Lord of the Rings, but uh, you know, Bo's <laughs> just going to his mama's house." <laughs> I thought that is perfect. Yeah, that, that's okay. Perfect. <laughs> so the uh, director is right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this uh, I I kind of had an idea of what I was getting into with watching this movie. Like I hadn't watched any of the trailers or anything for it yet, but uh, I kind of had an idea based on first what you had told me about it and what I had read from the description and everything. I was like, okay, so it's a psychological kind of thriller movie. It some places defined it as horror. I wouldn't put it in the horror category myself, but. I wouldn't even say thriller, to be honest. I mean, I... I would say thriller. It definitely has, especially when he's, like, at that couple's house being healed and everything. Oh, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. I'd say it's a dark comedy, but I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think it has some thriller. So when people are like, oh, yeah, it's a psychological thriller, it's like, okay, I can see that. I I can agree with that sentiment. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I can hear what you're saying. But uh, if we're going to talk about this one, though, we got to start with where this movie begins with his apartment and everything, which is in just a crime riddled city. And we say crime riddled city. Literally, there's just gangs controlling the streets where people are like getting their eyes gouged out. There's just people running on the streets, stabbing people as they run along. I thought it was Skid Row. But I guess it's not like a specific place. It's just a horrible place to live. Yeah, I don't think they name the city at all. Or if they do, I didn't catch it. But I think it was just like a made up thing. Kind of, you know, just like, oh, it's mm-hmm. Gotham City. It's it's a crime riddled place. <laughs> and because I love that you have the scene where he has to go to the convenience store to get water because none of the water at his apartment is working. But at the same time, he can't leave his apartment because his keys were stolen. So he can't lock the door to his apartment uh, 
building or to his exact mm-hmm. apartment. So he props the door open, runs across the street, like getting around people, gets to the convenience store, grabs the water, starts drinking it. And as he's like trying to get his money and everything, his card gets declined. So <laughs> he's trying to find like exact change to be able to buy the water and he's right. struggling to find enough money in order to buy it. Meanwhile, he's watching all the gang people go into his apartment because he propped the door open. And the convenience store manager or the clerk there is just going, I will call the police. That is stolen water. You already drank. You pay. You pay now. I'm not the, I'm not the one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the one. And I, I absolutely love this scene because it just... I love how it keeps panning back and forth between the clerk to him and then to the door and then back to the clerk yelling at him and then back to the clerk and then him staring at the door to him. It, It's it, I love how that sequence broke down. And this movie does that very well when it comes to the camera work of kind of panning from one person to the next, like the shots and the way that it kind of makes his uh, anxiety kind of show is done so well because not only is Joaquin Phoenix absolutely fantastic that kind of role for Mm -hmm. starters but the camera work just adds to it because the camera's jittery at points when he's very Mm -hmm. tense and everything so it's Mm -hmm. almost like a shaky cam as he's like watching the door and then it goes back to the convenience store clerk and it goes to him and it's very steady. And then it goes back to the convenience store clerk and it's very like shaky. And then to the door, it's very shaky as he's watching all this. It's very, I absolutely love how they decided to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. I, I want to say uh, with, with this film, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, we always expect him to be great, right? But the dude, mm-hmm. like he he plays uh he plays intensity so well in this and with this one, this is a character that doesn't want any intensity. Mm-hmm. Like he is, you know, he's socially anxious. You know what I mean? He 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 has a lot of anxiety of what's happening around him. I don't want to say he's like an adult boy, because he is a man, but he's a man that's been, you know, we'll get into it, you know, crippled his whole life by his mother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and he, this is kind of him just becoming a man a little bit. You could look at, you could look at this film as an allegory for that too. And Joaquin just plays it so, so darn well. I mean, like he, you, I don't even know if you could pick a different actor to lead this. No, I couldn't imagine anybody else taking over Joaquin Phoenix. When it comes to like anxiety or troubled kind of characters in this regard, he's the number one pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the whole opening sequence uh, of, you know, like introducing his hometown, getting a little statuette for his mom, people breaking into the apartment and everything like that. Uh, it, it's it's all hilarious. Uh, but I, we got to talk about the scene um, with the um, the mailman. I believe it was the uh, the the UPS guy, which you, if you if you watch the credits later on, you find out it was Bill Hader. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he, 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 calls up his mom, you know, just to let him know he's, um, you know, just let her know, Hey, I, I can't make, it. I'm going to be late. And, uh, he, the UPS guy answers the phone, like, Hey, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I came in here. This lady's head is crushed. There's no head or face. He's like, you talk about my mom. He's like, Hey, you know what? 
you, you probably called the wrong number. Yeah. He looks at the phone. It says to mom. I don't I don't know what your theater was like, but mine was cracking up. He, he, he says, you know what? Just call me back again. Just call me back. He hangs up. Calls back. He says, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I also like, love how he's like, well, I just found this woman. I don't I don't know what's going on and everything. I called the police already. Uh, can you right. describe her? And he starts going, well, she has like brown eyes and she has like black hair and she's mm-hmm. kind of older and everything. And he just goes, just can you describe her physically without like describing her facial features? Because <laughs> she doesn't have a face. And she doesn't have a head. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. you could have just said she doesn't have a head. <laughs> I think that would right. accompany the entire package. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I love the, I love the pacing of that scene. Cause like, like you don't know what's going on, but it's like, he doesn't want to tell him like, Hey, just, just what is her, what's her figure? <laughs> yeah. What's her figure like? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man. So, um, oh, and I love this one shot. There's a lot of shots in this film. I love uh, but I love the shot where he kind of like finds out, you know, his mom's dead. He leaves the phone there and the bathtub has been running this whole time. Mm-hmm. I love the quick cut like that passes in time with the water. Like 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 there's one cut of him just standing there frozen. And then time passes in the water is close to getting the phone mm-hmm. like um, and he grabs the phone last minute. I just love that little quick cut. But, uh, dude, we got to talk about the bathtub scene, man. It- dude, I I want to talk about the bathtub scene, but I want to talk about a scene just prior to that, where after the entire gang got into his house and everything like that, and he's like sitting on the he's sleeping on the construction equipment across the street. When he peers into the window, all you see is a bunch of people in a gang just bashing up his house, you know, destroying everything. (laughs) And then it pans to one guy who's cleaning dishes. And I don't know if you caught that. I didn't catch that. I caught the people having sex on the couch. Yep. I caught the two guys that were that kept trying to gouge each other's eyes out. Yep. <laughs> there was one guy just washing dishes, just, you know, rag in hand dishes, you know, sets it down, picks up another one, washes the dish, puts it down. And I love the thing that, that in like where this whole gang is, you know, taking over his house. And one guy's like, guys, guys, come on, be civilized. We can wash our and, plates and after know we're done. Decency. Right. right. Have you people no decency? Also, when he gets back into the house, among one of the things that he does, is he pulls his computer monitor off the floor, which has a shoe just kicked right through it, which I got to say, as an IT person, that's impressive that somebody managed to. I don't know if you've ever like hit a monitor before, uh, but mm. it doesn't exactly like break through very easily to the point you could kick a shoe through it. Yeah. You know, mm. Also, the fact that he just kind of props it back up and starts using it while it's all cracked and everything to try and like book his flight. I, I right, absolutely right, love right. that. I thought that was hilarious that he's just like, yeah, there's a shoe through the monitor, but that's not the biggest problem right now. I got to get this flight going. Right. I got I to gotta, I gotta see my mom. Uh, absolutely. So I like. Um, oh, yeah. Bathtub scene. Yes. Now, if you catch if you catch. If you catch this the first time around, I got to say, I, I have read an early draft of the script before this was even made that was mm-hmm. like circulating out on the Internet. So some stuff I kind of knew. But like if, if you catch a certain a, a, a certain shot in the bathtub, you start to turn your head like, why does that look like that as he's getting in the tub? We'll get to it later. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, when he gets in the tub, I love how he's just chilling. And then the guy, <laughs> it's like water coming down on him. And then he looks up and he sees the guy. 
looking just as scared as he does, sweating bullets. And the stoop, when he falls on him and the camera like turns from under the water to over the water, I was rolling. I said, that's hilarious. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, I can say I didn't catch it prior to him like looking up and seeing the guy just like Spider-Man sprawled out onto his, uh, you know, shower, you know, the ceiling above his uh, bathtub there. And right, right. I was just like, oh, this is this is going to be good. And the fact that when he falls in, they start tussling and everything to the point <laughs> that the other guy is naked by the end of it because... <laughs> Which forces Bo, still naked because he was taking a bath, to just run out of the apartment into the street. Wait, how, how did the other guy get naked? I thought he was fully clothed. Uh, no, by the end of it, his pants were off, too. <laughs> I don't oh, know wow. how. I, it was that just... makes it funnier. <laughs> that makes it funnier. But, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but like he runs out and everything, still naked. I love how he goes to the police. And I can't remember. What was he holding? He Was it his pill bottle? I forgot what it was. I it forgot. was something, but he was mm-hmm. holding something that was just a mundane object. And the officers just, you know, drop the weapon, drop the weapon. <laughs> I don't want to shoot you, man. Right. And, you know, it, obviously, you know, he drops. I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what it was that he was holding. I think it was the pill bottle for his uh, the medication he was prescribed. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's what I think it was, but it could have been something else. Because I'm also remembering it shattering when he dropped it, and a plastic pill bottle wouldn't have shattered. So, I don't remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, 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 I don't remember either. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if we want to summarize the whole movie, but if we if we want to talk about like key moments, mm-hmm. stuff that happened. Excuse me. Um, but so anyway, he ends up getting ran over by accident. Uh, and after a little melee with a with a naked guy that's just going around stabbing people, yep, uh, <laughs> that you saw previously outside of his apartment stabbing people, right, right. He ends up in the care of uh these these two extremely nice uh, parents, uh, Grace and Roger, mm-hmm. and their extremely um, uh, unstable daughter. I think her name was Tony. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. So, I, dude, what I love about this sequence. I, I, it's just everything. It's the it's the unstable war vet that they took in as a surrogate for their son who died in the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his name was Jeeves. Uh, I, I love uh, how how obnoxious Tony is and how over the top intense. But I gotta say, man, the one the one person that sells this whole sequence is Nathan Lane as Roger, dude. The way he's like he's so uncomfortably nice. Yes. like like he he just leans in like. Are you sure you don't need anything? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Like he's just, he's like he's so creepy. He's so nice and creepy at the same time. Yeah, I think the major thing is like in any other context, he just comes off as a nice guy. But because of mm-hmm. the uneasiness of the entire situation that he's in, and kind of knowing what this movie is, his niceness is cranked up to an absurd level to the point that you're like, I don't, I don't like this at all. I don't, I don't trust him. I don't know what he's gonna do. But I don't like any scenes with him. I don't feel right. It like gives you that shiver right, down right. your spine. You can tell something something's off. Right, and I love yeah. the uh, wife Grace, who like mm-hmm. every time she's alone with Bo, she's always like, "We're watching you. Don't do anything, you know, incriminating. Don't be suspicious." 
right, right. That's where you know something, something's off here. You, you right. know something's wrong. Um, but I, I like that sequence. And, dude, the scene with the paint, I was just like, okay, what? Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, this kid... I don't understand. If you want to make your parents upset, like steal the car or something, like mm-hmm. why are you going to the extreme? Like, yeah. I just didn't understand it. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Also, when she was like, this was all a test. You failed the test. And then she just starts drinking the paint. And it's like, okay, I, was that explained? Like what the test was that she was talking about? And I just missed it. Or I, I think she was just a messed up kid, man. Okay. I, I, I think she was just a messed up kid. I don't I don't think there is no explanation necessary. Okay. I think, I, yeah. Because I know they explain like the whole you're being watched thing is when he finds like the camera system and he like can right, fast forward right. past the point that he's even at at the time somehow. But that's explained. And then she's like, oh, you pe- you failed the test. And then he ends up leaving the house because they think. You know, Roger and uh, Grace think that he killed their, you know, daughter. So he runs into the forest and everything like that. And I love how they're just like, you know, to the one army vet that they were caring for. They just sent him after him <laughs> into the forest. Right, right. Sent him on a mission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I want to say uh, what I think is easily the best uh, uh visually terrific uh sequence in this whole film is uh when he ends up in the forest with the uh with the with the little circus troop not circus troop but uh, it's little, more uh, like a play group it's more like a play group it's a bunch yeah. of pe- like actors and everything that have just kind of gone to the forest yeah and uh they're putting together a play i love how the film becomes like more surreal than usual uh, with it, it literally like you hear a narrator and you you see Bo like envision a future where he meets a woman, he gets married. Uh, there will be times where he sees the woman as a man mm-hmm. randomly, like, and uh, they end up having a family, and then this big this big uh storm comes, and uh you know kind of like you know wash separates him from his family. He goes through this whole odyssey. To the point where he's an old man in the in the audience watching the play, mm-hmm. and uh, then the son he figures out his sons are on stage, and I love how there's this is this emotional moment of them all hugging, and then Bo explains like, yeah, you know, your mom, uh, your grandma passed away. She told me your uh, your granddad died because after he uh, after he had to be climaxed, and I, that's why I never had sex. And then his yeah. son is like, well. How how do we get how do we get born? Right, yeah, I, 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 he just pauses and then he, he pauses and then you snap back to reality. I love that whole sequence, man. Yeah, uh, especially when it goes to like the animated part of it as well, where it's, yeah. it's like very scratchy animation of you know. Then you'll go to a town and the people will accuse you for a murder you didn't commit. But every time you try and plead your case, it'll just dig you deeper and deeper into thinking that you're guilty. And right. they'll send a dog after you. And the dog will hunt you, but you won't know it. But you'll be able to kind of tell that you're being hunted at all times. And then it cuts to, like, Jeeves running through the forest. It's like, okay, I, I like how they're kind of making this little connection here with mm-hmm. the play in right, him. Right. And Yeah, it's... It, I will say, the forest scene is probably the scene that I was, you know, going, I don't understand this at all. Like I get some of the subcontext of it, but for the most part, I was lost during those scenes. 
Like I understood like him seeing the future and then him getting snapped back to reality and the, like the, you know, story being told in the play and him like envisioning it. But beyond that, mm. I didn't really see much of a point of that whole sequence. If that was taken out of the movie, I feel like not much would be lost personally. I, I personally like how things calm down a bit and I, I, I like the parable of it. Because uh, when you look at Bo's life, you know, this this is the life he wants. He wants a simple life. You know, he he would like he he wants to meet uh, Elaine as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the only woman he ever really loved. Right. That, that he met on the cruise. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I liked it. I, I thought like, OK, I, I like this scene here. I, li- I like the parable of, of what could have been. Right. Um, OK, so we go from this. Now, listen, this whole final sequence of him showing up at his mom's house, dog. I mean, I, 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 you got, you got to love this man. Cause it's, it's so the way it cascades from like small and, uh, romantic to just, okay, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? Okay. Wh- what? It didn't like, all right, we'll, we'll just get into it. So he finally arrives at his mom's house, right? The funeral's all said and done. People are cleaning up and stuff. There's a whole video playing or whatever. And, uh, you know, of course, we learned that his mom is like this big, you know, business tycoon. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like she she's had a lot going on. Uh, she, she's rich. Um, then we learned that Grace and Roger are some of her employees. Uh, so everything that's been happening up until this point, we get a suspicion that, you know, um, his mom may have been behind it. Uh, cut to we see an adult Elaine. Elaine was a, a, a girl that Bo liked as a teenager. And she works for her, her, his mom. Uh, so, you know, they they reconnect for a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> dude, dude, this leads to one of the funniest sex scenes I've ever seen, like, <laughs> ever. Uh, <laughs> so they, 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 they begin to have sex. And he's, he's, he's terrified. I, I, I want to know. There's a uh, Mariah Carey song playing called, you know, uh, Always Be My Baby. Mm-hmm. Which ties into a theme to the movie. Um, so at some point when they're at the end, you know, he gets worried, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Says, wait, wait. <laughs> right. He says, oh, wait, I'm still alive. Like, I'm still alive. But the whole thing was when when she climaxes, she, she, she dies. She goes into pure rigor mortis. It is just stone solid. And literally, he just pushes her off and she just thuds to the floor. Still in the pose and everything. It's, <laughs> and as if that scene couldn't get any like weirder in its own self, then his mom just walks in and goes, really? This is what you do after my death? That you just start partying <laughs> on my bed? <laughs> right. And I love how he's just like, he's, he's just, he just can't, he stares at her unbelieving. And she says, uh, oh, you look at me like that. You should think this is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I love how her, his mom is such a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then the therapist shows up out of nowhere. And, you know, like you start to realize that, you know, everybody's kind of been in on it. And, um, you know, and she kind of like says, uh, you know, you didn't come see your mother. And, you know, you, uh, you, you, you didn't make your way to come see me. And, you know, you don't care about me. I've, I've cared about you your whole, I've uh, protected you your whole life. And then we come to the point where he goes like uh, he had a vision, like a nightmare that he saw himself. He saw his mama take him upstairs or something like that. 
and he says he had a he had a nightmare that was an out of body experience. And she says, you know, oh oh, you want to meet your dad? So she puts she takes him up to the attic, and she says, oh, that wasn't a nightmare. And dude, I just, <laughs> you know, when I initially saw this on paper on the early draft of the script, I'm like, I wonder how he's gonna pull that off, and I wonder how audiences are gonna react to that. So I want to know what what was your reaction to uh to, to penis dad uh to the literal just giant penis that was his father yeah that um, that thing <laughs> what the hell is this movie what the hell is this movie <laughs> oh man oh man uh, <laughs> yeah that was a scene that like. At first, when they show it, it's like, okay, so it's it's like him imagining something, but then the camera's on it for a while, and you're just like, oh, no, his father is literally just a giant penis that then kills Jeeves using a spider claw kind of thing, and it's like, this this movie, man, I don't... <laughs> I'm, I tell you what, man. If I had a nickel for every time... During this movie, I went, I have no idea what the hell is going on. I'd have enough money to buy another ticket to see this movie a second time to try and figure it out. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I when I saw that scene, I was already mentally like, all right, this this is the movie. I don't, I don't know where this is going, but this is the movie. I, I was already to the point where I was just locked in like, yep. All right. Penis dad. It's OK. <laughs> Uh, you're just sitting there with your popcorn yep this is exactly what i expected from this movie penis stat yep that checks out (laughs) and then uh we see we see that he has a brother a twin brother this whole time that's been locked up in the attic is that what that was yeah yeah that was his brother oh okay i didn't catch that that was i thought that was just somebody that was just strapped to it and i was like that looks like walking but and then the pan the camera pans away from it so quickly that i didn't really see that well but i was like okay mm-hmm. that kind of looks like joaquin phoenix and then but i just thought that was just something he thought he saw it wasn't actually there nope nope uh yeah it's his twin brother and he was he's he's been up there the whole time chained to his dad. Um yeah, so you know that that uh we move on from that scene and then he has a big confrontation with his mom in which uh you know he he strangles her a little bit um and she falls into a uh what was it like a uh a fishbowl or something? Not a fishbowl, but it was No. A, it, it what was it? Cuz he you know strangles her. But then he lets go. Yeah. Like 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 yeah, he lets go for a minute and then she just falls back in uh into like a a, a fish pool thing and and you know fish dies tank. that way. Yeah, fish tank. Yeah. There you go. I was I was wondering what's the word? Yeah. I was like, yeah, fish tank. So from this point, and I gotta say, up until this point, I was all locked in, but it's it's this it's this final climax part that made me a little mad. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? You you, you didn't like the there? stadium? <laughs> It's not the stadium. It's what happened. But it's like, so. So basically, he ends up in the stadium, and he, he's basically on trial for his life. <laughs> Listen, when we talk about it, it sounds funny, but watching the movie, it, I don't know. To me, it kind of enraged me a bit. Like, really, that's where we ended. But um, I like how basically he's on trial, right? You know, on one side you got his mom, and her lawyer. Um, and on the other side, you got a guy that's like his, his free legal representation mm-hmm. just trying to yell over everybody. Oh, who gets killed as he's trying to defend Bo as well. 
Right, right. And then in the end, you know, they show different moments from his past. <laughs> I like how they said, uh, you know, Exhibit B, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, I don't know what they call him, the, the defendant or whatever. Uh, Exhibit B, you know, Bo brought some friends home that went, you know, surfing through his mom's underwear. I was just trying to make friends. <laughs> what? Oh, man. And then in the end, you know, the boat capsizes. And, you know, we assume that just Bo just dies. People leave the auditorium and the movie just ends. Yeah, you I like how the... The credits roll as people are leaving the like stadium that his trial mm. was in, and there's a couple bubbles coming up in the center, like where the boat kind of sank and everything like that. But mm-hmm. beyond that, and then it just cuts to black when the credits are done. Like I was expecting something, like when the credits finish rolling, but no, it's it was literally just that. I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. that was that was that movie, that was I a- guess. <laughs> See, the point where he's in the motorboat and he sails off into the water, I would have been like, if I saw it written and directed by Ari Aster at that point, I would have said, well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, well done. Like, 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 Bo is finally free. You know what I mean? He, he, he can finally live his life now. But then you went to the trial and I'm like, I don't know if that scene was needed. I don't know. In terms of this movie, it didn't stand out to me as like, oh, I don't know if that was needed. To me, I was just like, okay, yep, just another part of this movie. (laughs) You were just like, so so you were at where I was at when I saw Penis Dad. I was like, all right, just another part of this movie. Oh, I think I hit that that when, you know, Elaine showed up and then she died during sex. And I was just like, okay, this it's just a part of this movie. And everything beyond that was just it's another part of this movie. I'm not going to get it. It, I'm clearly not going to understand this movie. So I might as well just accept that this is this movie. (laughs) So. When I when I thought about this movie and I and I I kind of paused to myself and I said, okay, now what what did I just see here? What kind of movie was this? When I when I really thought back on it, um, this is a very like very well made movie. Like when you mm-hmm. think of the themes of this movie, like water plays a strong motif in this film. If you think about it, you know, in the beginning when when he you know when he's coming out of his mother as a baby, you you hear like water sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, he capsizes and drowns in water, you know, uh, in that little like play. He, he's separated by a huge storm, a huge like water, like 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 storm that came that separated him from his family. Like water plays a huge motif. Um, and he has to take the pills with water or something will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of strong motifs in here. There's like uh, there's the Freudian theory. You know, of, uh, you know, um, you know, feelings towards your mother that you're not supposed to have. There's um, some people said the whole film is a hallucination because he didn't take the water with the pill. I don't know about that theory, but some people say that's what the movie is. Uh, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, go ahead. This this movie is very I, I don't know how to say it, but it's confusing in a way mm-hmm. that there's no like way to be able to ground this movie because none of this movie is in any based reality. So like mm. you have the crime ridden city, you have everything going on with the crazy couple and their daughter and everything. You have everything going on in the forest, uh, penis dad. It's it, nothing in this movie is grounded in a reality that you can go, Oh, okay. 
I understand the rules of what's going on here. This is basically a psychedelic trip of a movie (laughs) where nothing's supposed (laughs) to make sense and nothing connects. Like, I'll be honest, I didn't catch like the whole water motif between all the scenes and everything. Like you mentioning it, I can think back and go, "Okay, yeah, there was a lot of water involved in this movie. But when I was watching it, I was not thinking that at all. I had to have this movie sit with me. Like, how, how long ago did you see this? Uh, I saw this on Wednesday, so it was about four days okay. ago, five days ago. Okay, okay, yeah. When I saw this movie, I had to let it sit with me for a minute, and I and I the more I, the more it sat with me, the more I thought about it. I was like, that was actually a well crafted, weird movie. That was a well crafted trip of a movie. Like, um, yeah, it's very confusing. It can be confusing. It can be over the top. It can mm-hmm. be strange. But I feel like. Its strangeness was by design and it was by meticulous design. That's why I kind of compared this one with Synecdoche, New York, because I said both of these films have a very kind of what the hell is going on factor to them. Mm -hmm. But it's not like it's not that the crazy factor is not, you know, made by design. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a strange one for sure. It's hard to kind of give your feelings as to how you feel about it. But it, it's a strange one for sure. But I, I like it, it. I like that it begins. It literally begins with the beginning of his life and ends with the end of his life. Like, I feel like that's a great full circle there. Yeah, it does. Because and then superimposed, we get that uh, when he was on the cruise and he first met Elaine throughout the entire movie. It kind of cuts to little scenes from that, you know, right. and yeah. him being like, oh, yeah. Because uh, what was the first scene with her? With her like running and being like, "There's a dead body in the pool. There's a dead body in the pool," <laughs> and just going door to door. And it's not like, "Oh, I'm warning people." It's like she's excited <laughs> that there's a dead body in the pool, and she's telling people. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um. This is the, yeah. This is just a strange one, man. I um. I probably will watch it again and maybe ke- pay check some things that I didn't see because apparently there are some things in the movie that if you look close enough you will notice like mm-hmm. her logo for like her company his mom's logo for her company you can see it in certain certain places of that crime ridden town that he's in okay you know I mean? and um some people made the connection of this film to note like dealing with exploitation like you know how 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 this whole thing this whole odyssey that Bo went on was kind of by design right you know, outside True. the pe- Right. Outside of people in the forest, all of this was by his mother's design. And there's literally people in the stadium watching his demise as we're watching it in the theater. Uh, I'd almost so I compare like, it more to like the Truman show in that aspect than Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You could say Truman show, too. It's just I'm just talking about exploitation. You know OK, I, mean? I get but, you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, I uh, it's a strange one. I, I would give it a solid four. Uh, I, I'd put this one at a 3.5. You know, it, it was a good That's movie, fair. but it's just... It, to me, I was lost more times than not, and it wasn't a movie that, at the end, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I was just kind of sitting there going, I don't I don't know what to think of this one. This is just, you know... Like, it's that moment you've talked about where, you know, you were watching movie, and everybody started clapping in the theater, and you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, th- that was good, I guess. I don't... I'm still confused. <laughs> Right, right, right. But yeah, it was just a very strange movie. And, it, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, absolutely fantastic in it. A lot of the shots and camera work I absolutely loved. You know, there's scenes mm. where I was, you know, nearly on the, you know, terms of tears from laughing so hard. But 
overall as a movie, I I still don't understand this one at all. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It's definitely a polarizing film, uh, no doubt. But uh, I, I like that as a polarizing film that uh, it, it entertained me at the very least, I guess I'll say. Yeah, it was an entertaining film. You know, I, I didn't walk out of the theater going, I'm, you know, upset that I went to see that. I just walked out going, I have no idea what the hell I just watched. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, so uh, it goes without saying that, you know, Synecdoche won this one out. Yeah, in, in terms of its story, its pacing, and just overall plot, uh, Synecdoche kind of, it, it's a much more controlled movie to put it bluntly, mm-hmm. where Bo is Afraid is supposed to be a very wild and uncontrolled movie, but I think it works to a disadvantage to a point in that one and just how uncontrolled mm-hmm. it is. Okay, fair point, fair point. All right, we're in the after show. Brad, uh, what have you been watching lately? So lately, uh, obviously Barry is going on right now, and my God, this season is... Nice absolutely fantastic if you were to come see when they ended season three on the cliffhanger they ended it on it no spoilers eh? without spoilers it was like okay so where are they going to go with this and the show has gone in a direction that you know you could have given me 101 guesses as to where this season would lead i would have never come close to it but the sequence works so well that i am just i'm loving it I'm trying not to do any mm-hmm. spoilers or anything like that, but I am absolutely loving this season. I wish I was caught up, man. I, I feel bad because every time you talk about Barry, I said I wish I could revel in his excitement. Like uh, like when Atlanta was in his f- last season and you were watching it in real time, I, I wish I could have caught up with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and then I watched it out, yeah. It's definitely... You know, you got to check it out at some point, whether it's, you know, sooner or later, you have to get it because no, I, 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 go, go ahead. on. <laughs> no, I said I did start it and I, and I do intend to finish it. I, I started the first season. I said, OK, it's a pretty nice dark dramedy. I, I could get into this and I like Bill Hader, mm-hmm. but I, I just, you know, I got I got sidetracked. Yeah, but uh, beyond that, really not too much. Uh, this last uh, weekend was the release of Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So basically this mm. weekend has uh, been dedicated to that. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, what game system is that on? Uh, Nintendo Switch. So that oh, one nice. came out Friday. So basically my copy got delivered like a couple hours before I ended work. So as I was working, I was updating my console and letting it do its course and everything like that so as soon as i got off work i jumped right on and that that's pretty much been my weekend <laughs> it's playing that game mm-hmm. awesome awesome i like that uh so basically um i caught uh i i caught the uh the, the new film blackberry mm-hmm. um you can catch my review on uh spoiler free review on 8bitwaffles.com but Blackberry has uh, uh, Jay Baruchel uh, and Glenn Howerton from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia so basically it, it's uh, you know self-explanatory it's about the um, the world's first smartphone it's about the creation of the Blackberry mm-hmm. um, you know what man this is one of those films where it's like um, a kid is in the car with his mama and and he's like hey mama can we have the social network today 
We got the social network at home. <laughs> and that's BlackBerry. This, this, is, this, this is the social network at home. But it's it's a it's a good social network at home. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I liked it, man. It, it was a it was a pretty good comedy. Uh it's a Canadian film, because you know, Canadians created the Blackberry. But uh overall it was it was a solid entertaining film about um you know a meteor a meteoric rise and a catastrophic fall because uh you know once the iphone touched down i mean it was over oh yeah it was just over uh but yeah i like the movie man i like how it gave kind of a glimpse into how the company started um through some shady dealings but dude i gotta say the the best thing about this movie is glenn howerton man i mean his his character is such an a-hole but he's an a-hole you love to hate Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the, this, this was the mean role, uh, Glenn Howerton was, was, was born for, man. I mean, if I, if I could picture a role that would finally separate him from Dennis or enhance his acting beyond Dennis from always sunny in Philadelphia, it'll be this role. Okay. I, I hope he gets, yeah, I hope he gets at least one accolade from it. Cause he's pretty great in this movie. Yeah. I intend to see this one. It's one of the ones that I have on my list to see. And I was questioning, do I wait until it comes out in theaters or do I wait until it comes to streaming or what do I do for this one? Uh, do you think it's got to see it in theaters or is this, uh, um, I mean, you I mean, it's not, it's not like a cinematic experience, Mm -hmm. but like, uh, if you really want to see it, I say, go see it. Why not support independent film? Huh? But, uh, if you want to wait, you can wait. I, I thought it was a good movie. I, I thought it was a very good, entertaining, independent film. I um, I would give it a solid three out of five. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's more of a social network inspired film than a social network ripoff, if that makes sense. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, that's it with me. But uh, we're going to close this one out, folks. Um, thanks for uh, showing up. This is another great DFV episode. Uh, please remember to, uh, you know, um, like, share, and subscribe, you know, uh, watch movies. Always remember to talk about movies and uh, take care.